Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com hill varsity club is opening in omaha this may and is hiring for all hospitality positions do you love elevated food exciting events and having fun at work join our team by applying today at hillvarsityclub.com hill varsity club will feature a next level mix of classic sports bar favorites and contemporary creations with indoor and outdoor seating and memorable live events like live music and sports watch parties We can't wait to grab a burger and a beer HVC this May. Apply for all front or back of house positions now at HailVarsityClub.com. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, where food and fitness come to hang out. Nutrition, training, and life. It's all fair game on Meathead Test Kitchen. Welcome to Meathead Test Kitchen, a podcast that makes your fitness journey suck less. We are powered by Little Movements Apparel, an athleisure brand by women for women. And ladies, it is our time. The glass ceiling has been broken. Go celebrate by buying a new set of leggings. I know that sounds cheesy, but fuck it. (laughs) Like, we're really celebrating. Uh, If you're looking for new activewear, hit littlemovementsapparel.com. Grab your new favorite leggings and... And thank us later. Use our code MEATHEAD at checkout to save 20% on your entire order. Sports bras, leggings, joggers, tops. What else? They've got it all. All of it. Yeah. And like it's all adorable. It's super Outerwear. Jackets. Yeah, Amazing. they have all of it. Find them online at littlemovementsapparel.com, on Instagram as well, at littlemovements. Their inventory changes daily, so make sure you keep up on their IG for their latest stock updates. Thanks, Little Movements. You're dope. Joining us today, a gentleman who has been working with athletes for many years and one of my friends for a long, long, long time, Assistant Athletic Director at University of Nebraska, Omaha, Mike Nicola. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to talk about some really nerdy sleep and recovery stuff because I feel like this is everything that when people work out or train for something that they gloss over. I would agree with you. You know, um, really over the course of the last probably uh, six to eight years, sleep has really become a a big topic and probably the area that uh, is as teenagers, as young women, young men, uh, they fail to recognize the importance of. So this this should be a good conversation, and uh, hopefully your listeners can take something away from it. So. Hopefully, yes. Um, I hope that every week, and I don't know if they ever actually do, but <laughs> usually when we have a guest, they always take something away, even if I don't have anything to offer. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background experience. How long have you been an athletic trainer? Oh, wow. I've been an athletic trainer for uh, going on year 18 here. So uh, this is my eighth year at the University of Nebraska-Omaha. 
Uh, prior to that, I was at uh, Iowa Western for close to seven years and then uh, spent time at Louisiana State University, LSU. Uh, uh, did a master's degree down there. Have a, a certification in athletic training, certification as a strength and conditioning coach. So uh, have a little bit of background working with college level athletes. So you you know a few things, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, hopefully, I can uh, impart some wisdom. So. Cool. Well, let's get into it. Um, when we talk about training, I feel like a lot of people focus on the workout being the most important part. And we've already we've already covered this a little bit, but we're going to get into it more in depth now. When in reality, recovery is the most important component. So can you break down exactly why recovery is the most important part of your training? Yeah. Uh, and, and recovery encompasses uh, several things. You know, as you mentioned, some people say, uh, uh, the workout's the most important. Recovery is very important. It allows for improved performance, uh, per- permits time for our body to heal itself after bouts of exercise. Uh, for the uh, and then really recover itself so that it's ready for the next training load. Uh, and then it decreases your risk of potential injury. Uh, so those are kind of the three big things uh, on why recovery is important. But there's a lot of things that affect recovery. So we talked about sleep. Uh, What about stress levels, nutrition, Mm -hmm. uh, hydration, frequency, and type of training loads? And then uh, a big one and one that uh, younger people don't quite realize as much, but your alcohol intake. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's a lot of factors that affect your recovery. Um, But we, I guess the biggest thing is, these factors can all be manipulated and controlled by ourselves. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And I was actually going to like kind of jumping off of that, like since we know those things are true, can we talk about how recovery isn't 100% the same for each individual person and maybe some of the cues that your body gives you automatically that maybe you don't necessarily pay attention to because you're not as in tune as you could be? Yeah, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things is look at uh, your performance in your day-to-day life, you know, not just, not just in your uh, exercise routines, but whatever, whatever else it is you do, how is your uh, decision-making skills? How is uh, your alertness level, your mood, your energy? Uh, Those are things that uh, your body gives you as cues to how well you're recovering. Uh, You know, even with sleep, uh, sometimes people say I, I overslept. Well, that's your body telling you it's had enough. Yeah. So it needs more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it, it's kind of a badge of honor. Sometimes people say, Oh yeah, it, I can survive on five, six hours of sleep. Well, the problem is that the average adult needs about seven to nine hours of sleep. Uh, you know, there's, there's great research out there in terms of injury risk with sleep uh, those that uh, sleep less than eight hours have 1.7 times greater risk of injury. Uh, so th- that's that's a good uh, statistic out there, a good piece of research. Um, there's been a lot of research done with regards to sleep and athletic performance, such as free throw shooting with basketball players or three-point shooting percentages. Uh, there was a good... Uh, study done by a a Dr. Sherry Ma out at Stanford University who worked with Stanford University's basketball team and showed that uh, 
three-point percentage uh, shooting increases when uh, the basketball players averaged eight hours of sleep. So it, it, there's some research out there in terms of sleep uh, being, being important. But the biggest thing that I think sleep does uh, is it increases uh, when we lack sleep, uh, it increases our uh, cortisol mm-hmm. in, our, in our body, which, increase, which is a stress hormone. And when we have higher levels of cortisol, it decreases our testosterone production, which then in turn uh, affects our muscle protein synthesis. So we're unable to repair muscle tissue from exercise bouts. So it, that's, that's huge. Uh, what that also does, though, is if we have higher stress levels, how's our mood? Our mood is affected. Yep. So you know, a lot of things like that. Um, sleep, when we, uh, when we get plenty of sleep, our ability to produce growth hormone increases. Less sleep, less growth hormone, less ability to repair damaged tissue. Uh, so we want that growth hormone because one of the reasons a lot of us lift weights or exercise is to be stronger, <laughs> be stronger, better body tone, uh, muscle tone. So if, if we're not getting the sleep to produce our growth hormone, are you really seeing the full benefits of your workout? Yeah. You're, you're kind of self-sabotaging yourself at that point And that sucks. Yeah. Like, like speaking of that too, like I know that alcohol does affect all of those things also. And you brought that up before. Can you discuss how and why, like exactly how that affects adversely the effects and your recovery? Well, uh, what, uh, what alcohol does is it affects really our ability to sleep. So if you're not getting great sleep because you, you decided to, uh, uh, tie one on the night before drunk you know? sleep is the worst. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and then all of a sudden now it's not quality sleep. Got so it. you're not able to get into that rapid eye movement sleep where you have that ability to produce growth hormone. So now all of a sudden, uh, you're tired, you're fatigued, your mental alertness is decreased. So, so alcohol, alcohol has the effect, but it has the effect the after effect because of the sleep mm-hmm. also dehydrates you, which sucks too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, go back to your, go back to what I mentioned earlier, the factors that affect recovery. Hydration is yeah. huge. You know, for the average person, we, we always say drink uh, eight cups of water a day. Well, somebody who's exercising and sweating a lot, uh, athletes in general, we try to tell them drink two liters Uh, of water and for every pound you lose you should drink about 32 ounces of water yeah Yeah. i feel like if you're well hydrated you'll know because you're going to the bathroom every like 30 to 45 minutes like that's when you're in the zone i feel like you had to wake up twice to pee in the middle of the night you're properly hydrated good for you (laughs) yeah exactly well and then here's the other hard part though is people think oh i just drink it all at one time well, your body doesn't absorb it very well when you drink all your water in one sitting. So you got to space it throughout the day and we all get busy. And so the water sits on your desk or it sits, it sits at the table and mm-hmm. you forget about it. Yep. So make it easier by doing things like crystal light and tea. That's my hack for the day. <laughs> FYI, if you want to drink more water, people often reach for the ice bag when they feel that nagging ache or pain from training or sports. And we've started to see that maybe ice isn't the answer anymore. So what do you recommend for soothing those angry muscles and joints? 
Well, yeah, uh, you know, it's, when I first started, the biggest thing was uh, the acronym RICE, Rest, mm-hmm. Ice, Compression, Elevation. Uh, those were the four things that, that solved everything. Um, and then as we as people started to do more research, we start learning more. Uh, delayed onset muscle soreness is what I think we're trying to get at here. Yep. And uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, the best thing, and this is what I tell athletes all the time, what did you do the day before? I exercise. Uh-huh. Well, then let's go exercise again. Let's pump the, let's get that blood flowing. Uh, as we get that blood flowing, we're going to get some uh, increased flexibility, uh, increased uh, the heart rate. So, you know, those, that's kind of my number one go-to, but that's not the easy answer. We right. all want things that feel good. Yep. Uh, the, the feel good. So whether it's a hot pack, it's the, it's the foam rolling, the self myofascial release, uh, the percussion massage therapy guns are huge right now. Uh, and you can find those online on Amazon for if prices bear, uh, vary. Yeah, they have a million. I have a really cheap one right now. I think mine was like a $30 Con Air. I got it at CVS, but it does the job. <laughs> exactly. And they're all the same. They yeah. all do the same thing. And and those feel good. And, and that's really what, uh, what everybody's looking for is what feels good. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. Uh, uh, Epsom salt baths are huge. Uh, you know, the, the research behind that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's good. And I always tell athletes, I tell people that work out athletes, uh, the weekend warriors, whatever you feel good doing, do it. Yep. If you have a legit injury though, where, you know, where I said, Hey, I was running, I rolled my ankle stepping off the curb, then let's go to the ice. But yeah. if you just have, if you just have muscle soreness and you're just looking to feel good, uh, whatever, it, whatever it is you like, whether you've tried all, all of these and there's one that sticks out, stick with it. Mm-hmm. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. I think that really like the next question I had really works well with your answer to that. Can you talk about why addressing these things is important and what it looks or feels like to take sometimes a much needed active recovery day or even an extra rest day? Yeah. So, uh, in active recovery, uh, and everybody has their own definition of what active recovery is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, active recovery might be just going on a walk for some active recovery may mean, uh, I'm doing this very similar exercises that I did a day before just with body weight. Mm-hmm. So, yep. uh, and really active recovery, the whole purpose is just to get blood flowing to, uh, allow some flexibility. I, I believe, uh, uh, you may go this right. You may, uh, jump into this, but we talk about range of motions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the things about active recovery is you're trying to maintain or, uh, contribute to an increase in flexibility or mobility. Uh, people like to use the word mobility, uh, more so than flexibility. Flexibility kind of refers more to stretching. I'm not a huge, stre- uh, static stretching fan. Uh, a lot of, but we're so ingrained in static stretching. Yep. So you sit on the floor and reach for your toes. Well, there isn't a huge benefit to that. Uh, so, but back to the original question you had, Sasha, about active recovery. Huge fan of active recovery. 
whatever activity it is that can elevate your heart rate for a short period of time, uh, but putting less stress on the joints Mm -hmm. is beneficial. So I'm not looking for uh, a bunch of weight on a bar and calling that active recovery. That's not much different than what you did the day before. Right, right. Uh, it, it doesn't mean a longer walk. Does it mean a, a tra- instead of getting uh, going on a run, you hop in the swimming pool and you do something in the pool? Yeah, again, just something to elevate the heart rate to allow the blood to flow and incorporating maybe some dynamic stretching or some dynamic flexibility. Uh, a big one that I really like is uh, incorporating hurdles. And we do hurdle walkovers, walking under hurdles, some skips, different things like that that help with hip mobility. Yeah. And that stuff feels good. Like my favorite active recovery day, like my top of the mountain, is probably (laughs) going for a walk and even just like 20 minutes of yoga. Just some stretching, moving, and then like adding a, a Epsom salt bath to that. Just to like soothe those muscles because it's super important. When you're tight... Oh. The best thing to do is move. Yeah. Like, yes. because you're not going to get untight by sitting on your butt. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it, like, the one thing you want to do is not move, but it's super counterproductive. Like, yeah. my favorite, I just hop on the air bike for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then whatever feels shitty. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do yeah. like, I'll. Those I'll, hurdles sound great yeah. for the hip mobility. Yeah. Like, you just did a ton of squats I or have deadlifts. Stupid like, hips. Open those hips worst. up. <laughs> I, need to, I need to buy a hurdle for the garage. <laughs> yeah. We need one now at HQ. <laughs> So we've, uh, we've talked about sleep. We've talked about recovery. Let's talk about actually getting into some workouts. It seems like people often will skip their warm up or cool down because they're boring. So let's break that trend because I know it's important. We know, like we all know it's important. We need to tell people why it's important. Uh, explain why warming up and cooling down is so crucial to muscle recovery and avoiding injury. Yeah. Uh, great point. It is often left out. Uh, probably the cool down more so than the warm up, mm-hmm. but the, the purpose of the warm up is to, uh, increase, increase the heart rate. If you worked out a couple days before you still have some of that, uh, DOMS delayed onset muscle soreness, it'll help decrease some of that before you get into your workout. Um, uh, dynamic stretching has been shown to positively influence, uh, power, speed, agility, endurance, flexibility, and strength performance. So those are things that uh, dynamic stretching can help you with if you incorporate it into your warm-up. And then the other thing with your warm-up, you want to consider that the uh, beginning of your workout. So then that way, it's going to mimic slightly some of the same movements you're doing in your workout. So one of the biggest things is if you're going to – incorporate squats and bench press and, you know, some sort of uh, core stability activity into your workout. You want to make sure that in your warmup, you're addressing all of those movements. So uh, there's three planes of movement. There's sagittal transverse and frontal plane movements. Your warmup should incorporate all of that. So you shouldn't just be in one position the whole time and, and incorporate movement during your warmup. So does that mean that maybe you're, you're doing a dynamic, uh, uh, quad stretch RDL, you know, it it could Mm -hmm. be that it could be a simple, uh, uh, 
high knees or in, uh, we talked a little bit about the hurdles, the, where you may lift your leg up and almost, uh, I refer to it as open the gate or close the gate where you rotate your hips. So you're getting some rotation, a lunge and rotation, uh, mm-hmm. those types of things just to incorporate that into a warm-up. And the warm-up, we're not talking a long period of time. We're talking five to ten minutes max. Uh, but, again, just trying to elevate the heart rate, preparing you for activity. Uh, when we bypass the warm-up, we increase our likelihood of injury. If you just go into the weight room or into a sprint workout without any sort of warm-up, your chances of pulling a quad muscle or, or uh, you know, pulling a pec muscle – greatly increase. So that's the purpose of the warm-up, just to prepare the body for intense activity. Yeah, I'm that person when I post, like I do time-lapse Thursday every Mm -hmm. now and then when I actually remember to take my GoPro out to the garage with me. And somebody commented on Instagram the other day, they're like, Jesus, your your warm-up takes almost as long as your workout. And I'm like, well, the warm-up is its own workout in a sense. I mean, you know, you're doing air squats, you're doing lunges, you're doing pull-aparts, you're doing right. hyper-extensions because you're doing squats that day. And, you know, it's a million things. But, yeah, if you're actually doing advanced work in any level of fitness, your your warm-up has to match your workout. I honestly, one of my favorite, like, sayings that goes along with warming up, but did you die, though? Because now you're ready. Like, you should be at that point, It because it's trying to mimic your workout, yeah. you should be not totally gassed, but, like, ready to go. Like I like I that's typically when I, will do that's like when I do all my minutes. bitching when I'm in the gym but, just during my warm up. Right. I'm sitting there in my bottom squat, you know, my bottomed out squat with my kettlebell like this is awful. I hate my life. But the better. movement feels way better when you're actually in the workout than if you just went in cold. Like mm-hmm. I used to never warm up. And if I did it was like maybe 3 3 minutes and I wasn't doing anything except walking on the treadmill which does nothing to warm up my body if I'm going to be lifting any weight at all. Right, right. Yeah, this is this is one thing where people, I feel like, just don't, they don't make the connection. Yeah. I, well, and I feel like maybe cool down isn't quite as is important as the warm up, but what are the benefits of doing a cool down period also? Well, the cool down, and I, I've kind of changed a little bit in terms of how I approach the cool down. It kind of to your point, Sasha. It's not as important, but there's some benefits to it. So a lot of the things, if we're looking at uh, high explosive activities that we've done, uh, maybe maybe you're doing more Olympic lifting that day or you're doing more sprint workouts, I find the uh, cool down is, is a great time to incorporate your foam rolling. Mm, yes. You know, uh, an opportunity to do maybe some yoga stretches. You've been you've – been, using these muscles and really when we talk explosive movements, we're not going typically through full ranges of motion. So this is our opportunity to go through that full range of motion and elongate those muscles and tendons and uh, give them an opportunity to relax, maybe remove some lactic acid in those, uh, in those legs, Uh, blood pools, gravity takes over. It wants to sit, uh, in our feet and our ankles, our calves. So if we get an opportunity during that cool down to just relax those muscles, bring the re- bring the heart rate back down. Uh, a lot of people will just say, you know what, the walk around the facility, put, putting all my weight away or the walk to the car is my cool down and they oh. go back. Well, there, there's some, 
there is some uh, benefit to doing a cool down. It, it will decrease may, uh, some muscle soreness the following day. Uh, some of that muscle soreness is caused from the lactic acid buildup from lifting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is, for me, where I found that's where I started to build my flexibility yeah. was at the end of my workouts. People don't realize that you just, yes, you just put your muscles through hell and they might be tired, but when they're warm is when they're the most, like, cooperative. Pliable. Oh, it's great, <laughs> dude. Have you ever Let's felt think the about sensation like imagining, of sticking like, your forehead straight on the yeah. floor before? Like, that's a cool I feeling. I physically, like, when I'm doing those movements, this is probably weird. I'm weird. Um, but we? I, like, Duh. physically imagine, like, my mu- my muscles are, mm-hmm. like, legitimately, like, stretching themselves out at that point. It's like, like a cat waking up from a nap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you brought it up, uh, Sadie. The fact that you go from moving 100 miles an hour to just a sudden stop if, if you bypass the cool down. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I'm going to loop back to the warm-up for a second because this is something I forgot to say earlier. Your first set of warm-up movements are going to feel like shit. Like, that's oh, yeah. the point. That's the whole your entire squat, point. Your, your hips are going to be tight. Go extra slow. But, yeah, this is this is a key that I feel people just miss a lot. The warm-up, the cool-down, everybody wants to focus on the actual workout because that's right. the sexy part. That's where you move all the weights. But how it. sexy is it if your muscles aren't warmed up? Like, you're not going to pull the weight or push the weight or do anything with the weight that you were expecting to that day if you don't do the warm-up. I mean, Like, yeah. you're going to have a, probably a shitty workout that day and then be like, what the hell? If well, you try to do squats without time. warming up your hips, oh, you're yeah. going to quarter squat every rep and yeah. people are going to be like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. it's a, it, at that point, I'm not going to say it's a waste of your time, but you could have utilized your time and energy better. better. Yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but there's a better way to do it. Uh, range... <laughs> To, back to your point, though, a little bit in the warm up, uh, you know, that's your opportunity to make sure that you've got proper technique. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if you skip that warm up, you go straight to putting weight on, and you don't have proper technique. You may not be, uh, you may not be doing that exercise for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. Like, you can't work out when you're injured, straight up. Right. So avoid being injured at all costs possible. And that might mean you have to build an extra 15, 20 minutes into your workout routine just to make sure you have a proper warm up and cool down. But as someone who has been lifting weights at an intermediate to advanced level for, I don't know, three or four years now, I've never had an injury Mm -hmm. because I actually do do your bitch work. Yeah, it's not fun all the time. But it's worth it because your knees aren't going to blow out when you've got 185 pounds on your back. You're you're not going to pull a hip flexor while you're doing a right. box jump. Like, just do your pre work. Like, do all of your pre work and your post work, and it'll feel great. It'll actually help with your DOMS a lot, yeah, especially if you invest like 20 bucks in a foam roller. Yeah, like that thing <laughs> is the devil. But it also hurts. awesome at this. But same just think, time. visualize the lactic acid. Just yeah, dispersing. you can just see it going away. You know, you talk about the foam roller hurting. Well, it's hurting because the muscle's tight. Yep. If yeah. the muscle was loose and pliable, uh, it doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The foam roller. It's my my best friend, but my worst friend. And we've (laughs) talked a little bit about range of motion already today. Uh, Range of motion is really important when it comes to lifting weights or playing sports. What are some of your favorite moves for improving one's ROM? Uh, For improving really the, I think the best way to improve your range of motion is during your lifts. 
make sure that you're going through a full range of motion. Now there's obviously some exercises you'll do. And we touched on them a little bit already, like plyometrics Mm -hmm. where you don't go through full ranges of motion. Uh, But uh, during some of your lifts, if you go through a full range of motion, that's the best way to improve it uh, is by doing that. And the benefits, uh, you see greater benefits in going through a full range of motion. It provides better uh, joint stability, uh, better muscle balance. And for some people, uh, you end up uh, activating more muscle groups. Let's take the squat, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're squatting and you're only going uh, doing a partial squat, you're putting a lot of stress on your quads. Yeah. Well, if you go through a full range of motion, now you're going to incorporate your glutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the glutes are, are huge. And, they, it, you know, every time you go to stand up from a chair, you're using your glutes. So why not use your glutes in a squat? So, yeah. But, again, um, there are exercises where you don't go through full ranges of motion. So you, you have a balance there. The other thing is, uh, you will see people in a gym not go through full ranges of motion. Uh, bodybuilders, a prime example. Uh, we talk about, uh, or you hear about the word, uh, the pump. Okay. <laughs> yep. Well, you, you want, as a bodybuilder, you want that extra bulge in the bicep, or you want that quad to really stand out. Well, if you only work in a certain range of motion, you're going to get increased blood flow and increased lactic acid in that one area. So you're really working the tone of one particular area. Whereas if you go through the full range of motion, you will see uh, greater strength gains throughout the range of motion. Uh, I've all, I always like to use the example if if you're bicep curling and you're only going from uh, 90 degrees to your to your mouth that's all you're going to get stronger doing. Yep. Right. Exactly. Um, We've like covered a ton of stuff today and I think all of it's been super important, but like anything, there may have been things that we forgot. Is there anything that you wanted to add that we may have forgotten that are super important? I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we taught, we touched a little bit on sleep. I think that there's one thing that I leave with your listeners the importance of sleep. There is no badge of honor for getting five hours of sleep and being able to operate the next day. If you are trying to maximize your gains in the weight room or in a performance setting, uh, sleep is just so important. It's tough to train. It's tough to get great benefits. If you're not getting great sleep, because chances are you're going to be injured. You're going to have an increased risk of uh, colds or flus. Uh, you're not going to repair. You're not going to see the muscle tone, the, the increase in, uh, the ability to move weight around. Uh, you're not going to see, uh, sprint times decrease if you're not getting your sleep. Uh, and, and again, I, I think so many of us have just become accustomed that, you know, I just need a little bit of sleep. I can get through the day, but your decision-making, your alertness, your mood. Uh, I know, I know I'm a happier person if I'm mm. getting my sleep and yeah. my family likes me a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I actually like when I was younger, I prided myself on, Oh, I only need five to six. 
Ugh. Your girl in bed at eight o'clock most nights now because she wakes up at four. Like I need the full eight. And if I can get more, I'm super excited about it. Like nine, well, 10 is fantastic. And, and some things that I'll, I'll give you, uh, your listeners here is kind of some recommendations to increase sleep. But I think the biggest thing is have a routine. Mm-hmm. So whatever time you decide that uh, you need to wake up the next day, back up seven to nine hours from that time. And that's the time you should go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, have some sort of bedtime routine. Is that reading a book for 30 minutes? Some people do, uh, do yoga before they go to bed, yep. just mm-hmm. some light yoga, uh, whatever that bedtime routine is, stick to it. And then, uh, make sure your room is cool, dark and quiet. Yep. Yeah. That Great has been thing. huge. When I figured that out, Get darkening curtains, get the heavy ones because A, they block out the light. B, they block out the noise. Get a fan and make sure you don't have TV on when you go to sleep. Have been like the most helpful things for me to actually have a sleep schedule. Yeah. One thing about TV, uh, so the blue light, Mm -hmm. uh, not only in TV, but also in our devices, our phones, our iPads, our computer screens on Apple. And I know they're on other phones as well. But there, turn your night shift on. Yep. The night shift on your phone reduces the blue light. Mm-hmm. Blue light is a uh, stimulant. So if you can reduce that blue light, it'll help you and not uh, stimulate the brain so it's easier to fall asleep if you have to be on a device before you go to bed. Science, a, technology. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that they do that amazing for us now. Amazing advice. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Get your sleep. That, with that said, though, look at uh, there's been some uh, things that have come out recently, and uh, on some of uh, some of the biggest sports stars and how much time uh, they sleep. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods is not a big sleeper, but LeBron James is a huge sleeper. He sleeps like on average ten hours a night, and he takes naps. Yeah, yes. during the day. Well, then I saw Cam Newton. They posted that graphic a couple weeks ago during that game where he gets up at like 4.30 and then whatever. He only gets like six hours of sleep. It's like, bro, you're an NFL quarterback. Why right. are you sleeping? Right. Like, I sleep more than you, and I just lift weights in my garage. <laughs> like, what's up? Mike Nicola, assistant athletic trainer at University of Nebraska, Omaha. Thanks, Mike. Meathead Test Kitchen is proud to be a Heard at Media podcast. Please subscribe and rate wherever you find your podcast, literally, basically, wherever. Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, you search Google, for it, you'll Amazon. Find it. <laughs> yeah, you'll find us. Look Meathead Test Kitchen up on Google and you'll find everything. You'll also find our website with show notes, training resources, and our Amazon store online at meatheadtestkitchen.com. Meathead Test Kitchen, out. out. Join Sadie and Sasha every Monday, helping to make your fitness and nutrition journey suck less. MTK. A Huda Media Production.